Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. So welcome to another episode of the Business is Mission podcast. Today I've got the pleasure of uh, our guest being an old friend of mine. We've known each other for, gosh, pushing probably 25 years, I think, and uh, worked together in different capacities around the world doing microenterprise development. John Goslin is uh, now currently the executive director of International Microenterprise Development, which is the organization I was with before 2012 and still on the board. But John took it over back in 2012 and has done a marvelous job the last 11 years of leading it, growing it, um, guiding it through the pandemic, uh, keeping it moving, helping people around the world. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you, brother. Thank you, Mike. It's good to, good to be with you. We are old friends. We've been friends for a long time, and we're also old. <laughs> we're not that old. I mean, we're not we're not up there with Moses just yet, but we're, we're shooting for it. So, we John, hope, go ahead. Sorry. We hope to get there. We do. We do. And if we don't, it's okay because we know where we're going. Yep. So, uh, so John, give us a just. We were talking before the show started. Just give us a little history of who is John Goslin. And then move that into how did you get connected to how God is using business around the world for kingdom purposes? So just give us a give us your your sort of thumbnail resume, if you will. Well, I'm I'm a business guy fundamentally, Mike. I spent uh, 50 years working in the uh, real world, primarily computer technology management for large companies. But I'm I'm just a business guy. I'd like to make a point, though, and that is I've been in full-time Christian ministry uh, since the summer of 69. Uh, it was a great summer. Men walked on the moon, uh, Woodstock in New York, and it was the summer that I met and entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And from that point on, I've been in full-time Christian ministry. Nobody's ever paid me to do it. But I am in full-time Christian ministry, and my ministry is in the marketplace. It's in the business world. It's also with my family and so on. Uh, family, I've been married for 53 years. Uh, we have one daughter, uh, Christine, uh, and uh, just am truly blessed in that space. Let me go back. Just a little, I just kind of want to set the, set the nail on what you said earlier, but... Because that's so vital for people to understand that there is no separation, right, between Christians who do ministry and, and Christians who don't. That every Christian who is following Jesus is doing ministry wherever Jesus has put him or her. And and we say that a lot, but it was I appreciate you starting with that because that is the foundation, frankly, of of everything we do. And business's mission doesn't sanctify business; it's just an it's just a label. For people who have recognized that Jesus is their Lord, not just in the church building, but in the office building or the warehouse or the factory or whatever. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, Mike, here in, in, in the West, particularly in the States, we tend to want to compartmentalize. You know, we do church on Sunday morning, maybe, you know, at home in the evening with our family or in our small group. 
But the rest of the time, we're living in a different world, and there's just no biblical basis for that. You know, it it's all one, and very commonly in most parts of uh, many parts of the world, there are no uh, vocational uh, Christian uh, people in Christian ministry. People are bivocational. You know, Price was a pretty good carpenter, I think, in his day, and and you see that model uh, over and over again overseas. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, we see it much more overseas than we do in the U.S. because it, is, it's, it comes out of a, a need to survive, right? To feed yeah. your family yeah. and that sort of thing. And I think they've kind of got accelerated into a, a um, an integrated view of business and, and life and work and faith. I think I think they got there faster than we did because they had to. Uh, it, it, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't optional. So, John, how did you get and I don't think it started with International Microenterprise Development or IMED, or we, it's also known as the Joldos Project. But uh, was that your first introduction to business's mission, or had you already begun thinking about business overseas? Uh, no, IMED was my first introduction. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, back in the in the nineties, I felt a real compulsion to be involved in an overseas short term mission trip. I went down several paths and God just kept closing doors and uh, just trying to figure out what he was trying to teach me. And uh, it just kept closing doors. My daughter, uh, who in the early two late nineties, early two thousands was in high school, uh, wanted to go on, uh, an overseas short-term mission trip. Uh, we're part of a church that was, um, uh, very aggressively uh, championed that for young people. And she'd applied a couple of years as a freshman and a sophomore, and and there were just more people wanting to go on trips than there were opportunities, and the older kids got to go. Yeah, She was about to, uh, going into her junior year in high school, and they had one trip that was a combination of parent and youth. And basically, it was a deal. If you could talk your mom or dad into going with you, you got to go on a trip. So my daughter said, "Look, I want to go. I'm I'm willing to to do this parent youth thing. Dad, will you go with me?" So we filled out applications and submitted them. We submitted the applications literally the Sunday after nine eleven, and uh-huh. as you as you can imagine that turned the world upside down in people that were willing to go overseas. And pretty shortly, Christine gets a call. Uh, my daughter gets a call and says, hey, we're, we're just, we're not even going to try and do the parent youth thing. But the good news is, if you want to go to Brazil on a, on a trip with a group of teenagers, we've got a spot for you. And she was gone, and Dad was left wondering again why God was closing doors. Uh, not too long after that, I asked the missions people at church, Can you know, give me a list of uh, short-term trips that are, uh, are going overseas next year. And I got this list, and you go down, and there are construction projects and vacation Bible school and stuff that, honestly, I'm not very good at. But there was this one listing, this business's mission trip to... Kyrgyzstan, led by this guy by the name of Mike Wayman. 
and I'd met Mike once or twice really knowing and I'm just kind of thinking about this and the next Sunday I drop into a new Sunday school class a men's group that is looking at how to be better husbands and fathers and the format is you know we're using some walk through the Bible materials watch a video for for 20 minutes or so and then sit around the table and talk about it and each table had a, 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 a guy that had committed to be a discussion leader. And I wind up at a table, and the discussion leader is Mike Wayman. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's just a God thing. God had closed enough doors, I think, and prepared my heart to want to go, and then here was the opportunity. You know, this was a trip where I could, God's wired me to be a business guy. He's given me the skills and I could use all of that to enable business owners overseas, business owners that were committed to using a business for kingdom impact for ministry in their community. And uh, needless to say, that was in 2002, I got hooked and uh, have been going and been involved ever since. So many folks that, that kind of went down the path you've gone down of, being gifted in business, having a passion for the world, wanting to see the nations reached for Christ, and like, what do you do? And there's nothing wrong with vacation Bible school. There's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, construction projects. We would never want to take away from anything. But for the business person, that may not be the right path. And so you finally realize, wow, I can use business, Kyrgyzstan being a great example in the early 2000s, of an area still pretty much unreached, I mean, yep. by that time, there were a few thousand believers in the whole country, but not a lot. I mean, it was, you know, still a primarily Muslim country. And business is where you, how you got there. Business is how God used you. So two questions for you, John. One is, over the years, how many of these short-term trips have you, it's a two-part question, have you been on? And how many has IMED had or sponsored ballpark? And I don't know if there's a hard number on that that you can quote. But second is to tell us a little bit about what IMED actually does. When a short-term team, usually from the U.S., but not primarily, when they go overseas, what do they do? What What are they doing? What difference are they making where they go? All right. Uh, so I've been on about 40 trips uh, overseas over the course of the years, maybe a dozen different countries. IMED itself has facilitated hundreds. I don't know the number, but certainly hundreds of, of trips. What, what IMED is doing is, well, it, its objectives are primarily to reach unreached people groups and secondarily to help business owners lift themselves and people around them up out of poverty. And we particularly target doing this in difficult-to-access countries. You made the point, Mike, it's a way to get in the door and often, you know, one of the few ways to get in the door. Uh, most of the places that IMED's worked over the years are in countries that traditional missionaries just can't get into, in places where they can't get in. What IMED does is IMED works to identify an in-country partner that will work with us. You know, typically those have been 
large Western mission organizations like the Southern Baptist International Mission Board. And IMED will partner that in-country partner who has a heart for enabling business owners with some churches in the West, churches that are willing to help provide some financing and who are willing to send business people to share their experiences and their skills with would-be business owners overseas. On a typical trip, you're, you're working with a methodology and curriculum that IMED has, has uh, provided and developed and proved over the years, and using that material basically to equip people to start or expand businesses, operate them according to godly principles, operate them in a way that makes a profit, and uh, encourage them to use them in a way that will impact the, the communities around them. The kingdom impacts often church planning. Sometimes it's uh, working with and supporting uh, at-risk, at-need children. Uh, there are lots of different types of kingdom impact. But a business person going is working with proven curriculum, using that, using their own experience to enable a business owner to start or expand successfully their own business. So you became executive director in 2012, and you'd been on many, many trips by that time, and you had organized and, and planned many others that you did not personally go on. Uh, so you were, you were, I in my mind, obviously uniquely qualified to take on the role of the leader, uh, leader of the organization. What have you learned about that uh, the last 11 years, other than it's a whole lot of work and it's a good thing you retired? <laughs> Well, it, it does keep me entertained in, in, in retirement. I think what I've learned is is just how God moves in, in just some marvelous ways. Yeah, you know, I met is is a um, you know, what half a dozen people, an all volunteer mission organization. We bring methodology and curriculum, we make connections and leverage larger organizations. But, I mean, you'd look at us and think, what in the world would God accomplish through, you know, a little mission organization like this? Mike, you know, it, 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 purposefully, we decided 10 or 12 years ago to no longer be proactive as we were in the early days. The early days, we uh, actually had an employee. Uh, we sought projects. We aggressively looked at projects. But the business's mission light bulb had gone on, and big mission organizations were doing that and doing it well. And I meant said, "Look, you know, it's time for us to 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 step out of the picture and let the big boys, who have far more resources than we could ever dream of, do business's mission." The employee went to work in the business world, very successful, uh, and we said, "Hey." You know, if somebody comes and knocks on the door, we'll help them start a project. But other than that, we're content with what we started, and we'll watch the major players live out business's mission. And God just keeps knocking on the door and bringing new projects from places that we just couldn't imagine. We've just seen amazing things happen. I mean, I let, we started maybe 10 years ago a project in Myanmar, 
working with uh, some Western expats who are living there as as uh, missionaries and doing business as mission. And literally, that organization has literally enabled well over a thousand business owners uh, over the course of their existence. And they developed an in-country organization of about 40 people focused on business's mission. They are even helping uh, larger organizations like Compassion International and so on who have some business's mission involvement. They're helping them with how to do it and do it well. It's just a hugely successful project. And then a year and a half ago, you have a military coup that drives the expats out of the country that is destructive toward everything uh, that the in-country organization wants to do. But still, yet today, that organization is functioning and enabling business owners. The expats have moved across the border into Thailand, and they're starting businesses' mission activities there in the refugee community uh, in Thailand. I mean, you can't, you know, just look at this. This all started with, you know, just a conversation that you had, and then I in turn had with couple of Westerners in country that just had some dreams. And, and you just look at what God does, and it's just amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. We'll be right back after a short break. Third Path Initiative is your go-to site for accessible, affordable BAM training. Learn about the biblical foundations for business's mission, ethical capitalism, BAM strategies, and how to become a kingdom employee. It's all at thirdpathinitiative.com. You know, John, as, as you're recounting some of this story, it reminds me of the early days when we all first started in Kyrgyzstan, and we, we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, right? We, but we <laughs> weren't afraid to try. We weren't afraid to get out there and try things, and, and we, we God blessed pretty much from, the, from day one with lots of lessons learned, things we could do better the next time. But you said it earlier, I mean, we've never been, I say we, I mean, I'm, I'm on the board now, but you're the, you're the director. IMED has never been a big organization, never aspired to be a big organization. We really aspired to blaze some new trails and, and, and from that make connections and bring what we had, kind of the loaves and fishes, right? And to bring what we had, but what God has done with it. And your story about Myanmar is a great one that it literally began as a, it was a conference where uh, one of the guys and I met and then you got involved and it was just connections. And I think that's always been the magic of what you guys are doing, that, that you're connecting with mission leaders overseas or business people overseas. Obviously the local Christian community, usually persecuted and poor, not always, yes. but usually. Uh, and then, re- you know, well-resourced churches, mostly in America, a couple in Canada, but mostly in America. And just bringing those things together, amazing things happen. And as you said, just in Myanmar, you know, a thousand businesses started among people who could barely provide for their family uh, even before the coup. And now that they've moved it to the refugee community in Thailand, what a, that's the other, I'm just kind of sitting back in awe thinking, Lord, how could you create something like this Maybe I should say only you could create something like this. 
that could could be so portable it could go with the refugees and yeah. serve them still serving yep. the same people so it's a beautiful thing john so what for you personally what is one of your favorite stories and and i know there are stories there's lore there's legend there's probably there's probably fiction but but it one that some, some experience or story you've had he said that was you know a major god moment for people i'm this Early days of, of my trips overseas, I was working uh, a project on the island of, of Sumatra, uh, Indonesia. And uh, we're in uh, Pekinbaru, which is the uh, largest city on the island, kind of central to the island. And had a, a group of, of Indonesians that we were working with, and we did most of the work in small groups. So I worked with Three women who were interested in starting uh, businesses. And one of the women was uh, uh, a young woman by the name of Sarah. And Sarah is Aceh from Aceh province, which is the northwestern part of, of the island of, of Sumatra. Uh, and one of the most hostile environments in the world at that time to Christianity. It's the area that uh, a year or two later was devastated by the uh, tsunami that hit that part of the world. Uh, and, and Sarah, probably one of a handful of, of Aceh believers, the environment was so hostile that she was not going to be able to operate her business in Aceh province. She would operate it in another part of Sumatra. And she wanted to, to do computer training, you know, teach people how to use Windows and Word and Excel and, and that sort of stuff. And uh, anyway, we worked through the week and we were finishing the week and this was the end of the training. Uh, she was going to get a loan. We were presenting certificates at the end of the training, just recognizing the accomplishments. And the coaches, uh, uh, were to present the certificates to the small group that we worked with. So for me, that included Cyril. And uh, I just, uh, you know, she came up and got that. And Cyril's, you know, all of five feet and 100 pounds. You know, she gra grabs that from me, and then she just reaches up and puts her arms around my neck and gives me a big hug. And that is so countercultural in Indonesia, for a woman to hug a man, to hug a, a white Western guy, uh, and just, you know, that bond that we had through that. And then a day later, I was in the airport getting ready to, to catch flight out, and across the airport, I, I hear, Mr. John, Mr. John, and it's Sarah waving as she's running to catch her own flight back to where she lives. And I'm just thinking, I'll see her again, Revelation 7, 7. I'll see her when we all Bam. sit at, at the feet of Christ. And just, uh, I mean, a moment that touched my heart, Mike, I, I can't tell you. But just to be able to help her, help her find a solution to what she wanted to do and be able to enable her and to build a relationship, a common relationship about 
around the bond that we have in Christ. I mean, just what a moment. That gives hit you know, makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It's just you got goosebumps. The the and that's so common for the folks who've gone right. on IMED trips. These yeah, are yeah. men and women in business who, you know, are going to be career missionaries and, and not going to go to a country and live there for the rest of their lives. But whether they go for one of the week trips that you have, it's each each year there's a three different week trips, more or less. Not always that way, but it's a series of trips. They go on one or two of those. But they come away with that. They come away with with a relationship with people, different culture, different language, but same Lord, same Spirit. You know all of the Ephesians four stuff about you know being one body, and and that like you say, it's a memory you will take with you forever. And that in so many ways that you know, that's what made it worthwhile for you, I think. Mike, I mean when when we talk about Ahmed, we so often talk about the impact being the business owners that we've enabled overseas and the kingdom impact we do uh, that that they accomplish and and make no mistake that is what it's about but i think uh a secondary uh, you know perhaps even equally important benefit from uh, being involved is the impact that experiences like these have on the westerners who go and participate. Mike Wayman, who got me started, was always fond of asking uh, on the way back, you know, why did God bring you on this trip? And uh, you get some pretty amazing answers sometimes. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting, you know, John. I've, I've seen the same thing you have. Just seeing, seeing lives uh, from here, from the U.S., changed while being involved in changing lives there, whatever country you're working in. And it's just, it, it's really a, it's a wonderful thing to watch happen and see people coming back with a fresh understanding of missions, a fresh understanding of the world, a fresh understanding of how they can use their business giftedness for the kingdom. I mean, it, it really is a, an eye-opening thing and it's, it's been a, a tremendous blessing. So as you're talking, John, I keep thinking about the three different constituencies, at least three, that um, that you've mentioned, right? So you've got the in-country students. Obviously, their lives are impacted, but but they're, we connected with them via normally a, a person who is a missionary in-country, right? Right. So that's that's one group, and then there's the the individuals who go on the trips, and then there's the churches, uh, the Western churches, behind, you know, that are backing either you know entire projects or backing a team or you know at least backing some of their folks going. So if, if any of those groups want to reach out to you and say, hey, how do we get a IMED project going here? Or some individuals say, God, it sounds what I, like what I want to do. That's, that's exactly right. Can I, how do I get on a trip? Or a church, a missions pastor or head of missions committee said, boy, that's what we need to get connected to because the business people in our church are sitting in the sidelines. They don't, they don't engage because they don't know how to engage. Right. So if any one of those said, well, we got to we got to talk to John or somebody from IMED, how would they how would they reach out to you? Our easiest way to reach out is is via email and um I IMED doesn't have a website. Uh we purposefully do that because in many places where we work, it would be dangerous for the in-country partner dangerous for the business owners to have any sort of public exposure. 
So we are purposefully very private and very guarded about uh, how we communicate what we do. But if somebody's interested in, in being involved, I would love to have them reach out to me. I am John Goslin, J-O-H-N-G-O-S-L-I-N at att.net. Thanks. And John, I'll put that in the show notes. Anybody that says, Kyle, you know, I didn't get that, it'll be in the show notes. You can look uh, on little details underneath the, the episode and you'll have that. John Goslin at att.net. And, and I got to tell you, you know, I imagine once upon a time, John probably thought he was the least likely guy to step up and, and do something like this, take the lead on it and be used by God truly internationally. And and I've had the privilege of being John's friend for a long time and, and knowing his family and, and watching the blessing on his life and, and just the, the joy in his face. And it, I know it's been a great journey. John, let me, let me throw you one more question before we wrap up. And that is, this is this whole program that you're involved in is primarily trip-based so it's getting on airplanes, going to other countries. How did you navigate through uh, COVID? Because you couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere, but you didn't stop. The, the the project, what looked like it would stop, didn't. What did you guys do during that period? Mike, I'm just like we're doing this morning, we did it through Zoom, right? And you know, we worked with our in-country partners to help uh, existing business owners keep going, not be destroyed uh, by the impact of COVID. Most of our in-country partners were more concerned about sustaining at that point rather than expanding, although there was some expansion going on. We even started a new project, uh, one in Bali, Indonesia. Uh, There's a Western expat couple uh, living there. They uh, run and operate their own business. It gives them credibility and a reason to be in Indonesia. Uh, and they're very committed to business's mission, and they just didn't know how to do it. They were trying to figure out how to enable business owners uh, to do kingdom uh, impact. And uh, they had a common mission sending organization with one of the partners that we work with in the Balkans in Albania on another IMED project introduced us. And myself and and several other uh, people spent long uh, Zoom conferences, basically teaching them how to do a project and enabling them to run their own projects. And uh, just extremely successful. The result of that has been that now we are, even on a regular basis post-COVID, we're doing a mixture of in-person and uh, remote activities. We have a remote training going on this week in Kenya. There are three cycles of training typically. The first two were done in person. The third one's being done remotely. So it's a mixture of in-person and remote technology. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? I, I, as, as you're talking, John, I'm, I'm reminded of that chorus, God will find a way. That through anything, the unreached people groups, God will find a way. Uh, poverty and lack of employment, God will find a way. Being able to feed your family so that you can do discipleship ministry, God will find a way. And even a, a global pandemic, God will find a way. So, uh, all right. So, John, uh, I'll put all the contact information in the in the show notes. I'll encourage people 
If you're interested, reach out to John. Uh, he, he is delightful to talk to. John, any, any parting words of advice or encouragement for the audience? It's a great way for God to use business people and business resources. Think about it. Every business owner that you enable overseas is a national who is going to be far more effective in ministry than Westerners ever will be. You are enabling a national to be a missionary for the rest of her life, and you don't have to send funds from the West to support. They are self-supporting missionaries for the rest of their lives. I just... I'm, you know, I'm a business guy, and that's a really good price performance, right? <laughs> really good. It is. So that's uh, I just encourage people to come alongside of us and, and join us and be a part of it. Absolutely. Thanks, John. So, guys, this has been John Goslin. He's the Executive Director of International Microenterprise Development, uh, known effectively among us as IMED. And, uh, John, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. We invite you to become part of the story by supporting the BAM podcast at patreon.com slash BAM stories. There's a link in the notes with this episode. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or triventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen. If you'd like to help with expenses and expansion of the Business as Mission podcast, you can become a donor through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash BAM stories. This podcast is brought to you by generous donors and sponsors. You can become one by going to patreon.com slash BAM stories.